Hey, Playmakers, real quick before we get into today's episode, if you're one of those listeners that just cannot wait for that next episode to drop, and if you're over on YouTube and my website binging my content there, I just wanted to say thank you. It means the world to me. But just remember, the free stuff will only get you so far. So if you want my complete proven blueprint for opening a successful and sustainable play cafe or indoor playground business that is profitable from day one, I want to invite you to join me inside my signature course, Play Cafe Academy. Head to the show notes right now to get instant on-demand access to all 12 modules, your detailed pre-launch checklist, your 34-page business plan template, your plug-and-play financial model to help you estimate your startup costs and project your revenue, and everything you need to save time, money, and frustration throughout your entire opening process. For a limited time right now, you'll also get an entire month of free access to Playmaker Society, my invite-only membership created exclusively for Play Cafe Academy students who want to work with me personally to optimize and scale their businesses through coaching, guest experts, legal and operations templates, and plug-and-play resources, plus collaboration with over 220 other owners, plus so much more. Head to the show notes and choose your preferred way to pay in full or over time right now. You'll get more information on the current bonuses. You'll see some success stories of those who have gone before you and exactly what to expect when you join us inside the program. I will see you there. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. Welcome back, Playmakers. It's me, your host, Michelle Caruana. And today in this episode, I get to do one of my absolute favorite things, which is interviewing an indoor playground owner from inside my membership for current and prospective play space owners, which as you probably know by now is called Playmaker Society. And while all owners that I speak to have incredibly unique insight and advice to share, this interview should be particularly interesting because Today, I'm chatting with Heather, the owner of Playdate Indoor Playground in Minnesota. And Heather's concept is really unique. So I feel so lucky to have her as one of the almost 300 generous souls inside of Playmaker Society because she has been giving us all the inside scoop from day one. So I know the title of this episode probably gave it away a little bit, but at Playdate Minnesota, Parents actually purchase either a membership or a single play pass, which gives them an access code that they can enter into a pin pad at the play space's front door. So essentially, it is an unstaffed play area much of the time. And I have to be honest, when Heather first told me this, I was very skeptical, especially as a business owner who has really been put through the ringer by some absolute doozy customers, which... You will already know if you follow my YouTube channel, Play Cafe Academy, but the more we chatted, the more intrigued I was about this concept. 
And to be honest, when I was thinking about it, as a parent, the extended hours that an unstaffed space allows for are really the dream, especially thinking back to when my kids used to wake up at like 5 a.m., ready to play, and they'd already be completely stir-crazy and ready for a change of scenery by 7 a.m. But the play spaces by us, I don't know about you, but they didn't open until like 10 a.m. because they had to wait for their staff to get in and all that good stuff. And that is, of course, until I opened my own indoor playground because we opened early, which you probably already knew. But I would have been able to open even earlier had my space been unstaffed. So in this interview, you're going to hear Heather and I discuss things like what inspired her to open this unique indoor playground concept, what system she uses to make her play space run logistically. She's going to walk us through the step-by-step process of how parents actually gain access to the playground via that keypad pin entry. She's going to talk about some challenges that she's faced thus far with the system and some things that she anticipates will come up. Heather's going to talk about some other revenue streams that Playdate is focused on. She's going to talk about what she hopes to grow in 2024 in her business and beyond. Heather's going to talk about some advice that she would give to new or prospective play space owners, one of my favorite things to ask current owners here on this podcast. And she's also going to talk about what she would tell herself back when she had the idea to open her own indoor playground business in the first place, back when it was just a twinkle in her eye, and so much more. She's also going to talk a little bit about how she does add some staff into the mix for birthday parties and cleanup, and again, how she makes all of this happen logistically. So I am so excited for this interview. I hope you find it as practical and as inspiring as I do. And as a quick reminder, if you find this interview helpful, the way that you can help me to continue to bring you these eye-opening interviews is to take a quick moment, pause this episode, and leave a very quick rating and review. Again, it helps us reach other playmakers, and it helps me to continue putting out these episodes for you. And if you ever have a topic or an episode suggestion or somebody that would make a great interview, please DM me on Instagram. My Instagram is linked in the show notes. It's just at it's Michelle Caruana. Thank you so much. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Heather, the owner of Playdate in Minnesota. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. So let's dive right in. And can you just introduce yourself a little bit before we get started? Sure. Uh, My name is Heather Gothier. I live in Minnesota um, and I opened my indoor play space this year, just a month ago. All right, so can you tell us a little bit about the name and the concept and how you got started? Sure. Um, so my indoor play space is called Playdate. Um, we are located in Chaska, Minnesota. Um, it kind of got started a few years ago. So my oldest child is five. And being a stay-at-home mom, I always like to get out a couple times a week. Um, and there's a few local, I shouldn't say super local, but, you know, like, an hour drive or so away from where we are to find an indoor play space. And obviously in Minnesota, you know, weather can be only good, maybe like three months out of the year. Um, so we would travel all the time trying to find some pl- some place to play. And then um, I now have three-year-old twins as well. And then one day my husband came with us to a play space and he's like, there's nothing like this nearby. Like we should, we should think about opening it. So that's kind of how it got started. Just having that other person also think that we should have something like this close, 
close to where we live, um, was really a motivating factor. So he kind of put the bug in my ear and we went from there. Awesome. So when was that, uh, when you had that first idea, what year was that? Um, I want to say, let's see, probably the end of 2021, awesome. right around there. Yep. And then and last, open. Uh, we just opened in November of this year. And then I started the whole process about a year ago. Awesome. So can you talk to us a little bit about your space? I'm going to link to your website, but what is your square footage? And can you talk a little bit about what type of play you guys have to offer and what your age range is, things like that? Sure. Sure. Um, Our space is a little bit over 3,000 square feet. I think it's like 3,100 or so. Um, We focus mainly on gross motor play. Uh, We do have some imaginative play or you know toys out but um with how our business is set up we didn't want to have a ton of toys having to be cleaned up every day since there's not always a staff there um but we have our age range is about zero to seven we have a room for zero to two um that's it's a separate room but it's open you can see in it and then we have a, a large room that's three to seven and then we kind of just have like co-mingling space in the front where you can have snacks and drinks and there's a couple toys in the playhouse up there. Awesome. And then you have parties in that front room as well? Yes. Yep. Okay. Awesome. So you alluded to the fact that your concept is a little bit different and I'm really excited to talk about this because this is something that I do not have any personal experience on. So I'm really excited to get your perspective on this. So can you tell us a little bit about what makes your concept unique? Yeah. So, um, our space is, we kind of call it unstaffed, um, so, but we, we have staff there. But um, so we have a pin code entry. So um, everyone who comes to play, either by a open play pass or a membership, once you pay for your pass, you select the day that you want to come. You get a code sent to your email, and then you'll use that code on the pin pad at our front door, and that'll give you access for that specific day. Um, or if you have a membership, like the pin is good for the whole time. Awesome. So can you talk a little bit about why you decided to go that route? Sure. So um, here in Minnesota, there's actually a few places that do it. Um, We've been to a few of them and, and I really liked how it worked, I guess, as a parent, you know, we could just quickly put the code in the door, take your shoes off and go play. We didn't have to like wait in I'm not, I don't know if there would be a line, but, you know, we didn't have to, like, wait to purchase our passes before we got there. We could just quickly do it, get in and get out. Um, and for me, I'm kind of weird about safety, and I liked having the door be locked. So you can only come in if you have a code. And I really like that aspect of it. Awesome. So what system do you use to kind of do the keypad and things like that? Is it someone local that you used, or is there something that you use to make that a possibility? Um, yeah, so I actually, um, your husband helped me with this because I, ha- I had him do our website. Um, and so I, I was like, this is what I want to do. I don't know how to do it, basically. So I kind of like showed him the places nearby that do it. He's like, oh, yeah, it's this company. So I believe they're out of New Jersey, I think. Um, so there's two systems. There's like one is called Rome, and that that's kind of like the CRM and it it houses the like the pin number and payments and stuff. And then there's Brevo, which um, I think that's who the pin pad company is 
like who made it. And then there's, you can hook up a camera and stuff to it too. Um, but yeah, so two different programs for it to work. Awesome. And I didn't know that. So I'll have to ask him and I'll link the companies below if anyone is interested in checking those out. But you mentioned a camera. So how are you monitoring what's going on inside your play space and making sure that everybody is kind of following the rules, doing the right thing, stuff like that? Mm-hmm. So um, with the one system, you can have them hook up. So how do I say it? So there's a camera that can hook up with the Rebo system. We chose not to do that camera. Um, we have a local family friends who works at a security company, so they install cameras for us. Um, so there's one at the front door or to the front door and in each of the separate rooms. Um, so while we have a separate system to kind of keep track of that, there's um, um, you can have an app for this camera, but so we can just ch- check the cameras if we're not there, kind of see what's going on. Um, the pin pad, you can set up time where it will not work for anyone, or you can like only have employee pin codes work at certain times. So we know at least, you know, just from the pin standpoint that nobody can enter after like 7 p.m. or before we open. So that's kind of nice. But otherwise, but yeah, with the cameras, we can kind of see what's going on. Awesome. And it's really nice that you have this set up because I know for me, when my kids were little, they would wake up at the craziest hours and most play spaces near us wouldn't open until 10 or 11. So it's nice that you're able to have those earlier hours, even though, you know, obviously you're not 24 seven for obvious reasons, but it's nice that you're able to open early yet not always have to have your space fully staffed. So I know you mentioned that you do have employees there sometimes. Can you talk a little bit about their roles when they work and what they actually do when they're in your space? Sure. So right now I only have one employee. Um, When I originally started the process of this, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it all myself, you know, trying to hoping to do that. And then as I got into the process more, you know, in your Facebook group, I realized, okay, I'm probably going to need help because I have three little kids. I don't know if I can do this. So um, I hired somebody who her role is basically an assistant manager. So she's been with me since June and we opened in November. So she's um, a lot of her responsibilities include our social media post. She makes graphics and Canva. Um, She's helping set up all the parties and events that we're doing. Um, she works probably 20 to 30 hours a week, kind of depending on the week. Um, so she'll usually work like a six hour shift. So she's just in the office. Um, when someone is there, we clean, you know, as people leave. So it's cleaned often during the day um, when someone is there. Otherwise, she's kind of doing like the back office stuff, setting, getting ready for parties and um, just helping with setting up all the stuff. So then I don't have to do all of it. <laughs> awesome. And as you mentioned in the beginning, it's nice that you set up your space to be mostly gross motor because there isn't as much, you know, picking up of the little toys. I know for us, we had that play bakery and it was just a constant game of pickup within five minutes of being open. The bakery toys were already everywhere. We had a little farmer's market stand and The kids loved it, but it was truly a nightmare to keep clean, which is why, you know, I recommend doing more gross motor play than I did. So I'm glad to see that that is working for you. But have you had any challenges yet when it comes to the keypad system? I know you've been only open a couple months, but has there been any pushback from the community or any issues you faced? Um, As far as the community goes, 
I, there really hasn't been any issues. Like no one has mentioned that they don't like it. Um, every once in a while, we do get people coming to the door who haven't purchased the pass. Um, we do have a sign on the door with a QR code. So, um, you know, if they're, if they're trying to look inside, they should be able to see the sign and they can quickly purchase a pass online, but not everyone understands that. So it's a little bit of a challenge. Um, it hasn't really been that big of a deal as far as other people using it. Um, um, as far as like technology and internet, we've had a little bit of trouble. So the, the pin number system is like stored in the cloud, which is totally over my head. I don't really understand it. Um, but we've had two instances where the internet just went out for a little while and it doesn't then connect the pin numbers to the pin pad. So both times, luckily someone was in our space working so we could let them in and then we just like check their email to make sure they had a code. Um, but so that is probably the worst so far that there's two people tried to come in and they couldn't. Um, but we're looking into that. I think we're going to switch internet providers to make it more steady, something a little bit stronger. Um, but otherwise, everything's been working pretty well with it. Awesome. So for birthday parties, how do you handle entry for that? Does every guest get a code or are the party hosts kind of responsible for letting their designated guests in or how do you handle that? Um, yep. Yeah. So with birthday parties, we tell the host that they can distribute the pin number to all the guests. Um, and then since somebody will be there working, we can also help if they maybe forgot to give the pin code or they don't have it on them. All right. So can you talk a little bit about that? So you do have staff for birthday parties. Yes. Um, that was something I, I was important to me. And I, you know, I like doing events. I like helping set up and just to kind of keep it running smoothly. Um, we've only had a few parties so far, but we've had two people on, on site the whole time during the parties. So we'll help set up. Um, depending on what package that they have. And then we're kind of just, you know, in the background or in the office or something while they play and kind of just keep them on the timeline. Um, but yeah, so far it's been working out well. Awesome. And you do private parties then? Yes, correct. So you're not open to the public during the birthday party. So they would just see, you know, a sign on the door that says, you know, it's a private event or would they not be able to purchase a pin number during that time? How does that work? Um, so right now we're doing the sign on the door. We post it on social media. We're posting it on our website, right where they would buy the tickets that we're closed for parties on certain dates. Um, and we have a calendar that we post out. So um, technically the pin numbers could work, but we haven't run into that situation yet. I believe there is settings actually that I can set up with the system that will only let pin numbers work for specific parties. Um, I haven't quite dug into that part yet. Awesome. So kind of talking a little bit about birthday parties, have you found it challenging to market them at all because you are a little bit of a different concept or has one thing worked really well with promoting your birthday parties and things like that? Um, that's actually something I'm hoping to work on. That's on my list to do this week. Um, we've gotten a few parties. I just had an email this morning about another one. I don't think anything in particular has maybe worked better than others, but we do a lot of stuff on social media. And then um, we, in in our play space, we have signs all over about birthday parties. Um, and just, we use a lot of QR codes so they can quickly look at the signs, put their phone up and they can go on the website and look at everything. Um, so I think that's been helpful. So people can quickly just see what we have you know, at, on their phone. 
Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to do some, I don't know, like Google ads or Facebook ads for parties. Awesome. So kind of taking a step back because I really wanted to dive into that unique concept, but going back to your launching process and things like that, did you encounter any challenges when it came to finding your space or hiring vendors or construction or anything like that? Because it feels like there's always something. Was there anything that came up in your journey? Um, I think from the beginning, for lack of inventory, I really had a hard time finding a, a space in general. Um, I wanted it where I live in my small town. Nothing was really working. So we ventured out to surrounding cities, which I think definitely worked out in the end. I really like our location. Um, finding a size that we thought would work. That was a struggle as well. There's a lot of smaller places nearby. Um, um, once we found a space that I liked, we had contractors come in to, to try to get a proposal on cost because I really had no idea like how much it would cost. Um, our space that we have now is a former yoga studio. So it's kind of boxy. It's boxed in. And originally I, I wanted to like wipe down all the walls, open it up um, so it was super open. But once I got the quotes back, it was way more than I thought it would be. Um, so then we kind of stepped, stepped back and like, okay, well, what could we do to open it up? So it feels open, even though we're not spending a lot of money opening it. Um, so we, um, I hired an architect and we, we went through a couple of different scenarios and I'm really happy with how we have it. We have two large cutouts and two walls. So you can see both rooms from like the main entryway area. Um, and then once we got our space, and we finalized what I what we wanted to do. Um, I was kind of getting ghosted by architect or um, the contractor because I think we scaled back so much, then it wasn't really worthwhile for them to do it. So we spent like the first month like trying to find somebody who would do what we wanted. So that was difficult. That's probably the worst part. <laughs> Yeah, that's tough. And I know that I had a very similar experience in that I had this original vision. It didn't really align with the budget that I wanted to spend. So, you know, it's always a very delicate balance of compromising on your original vision without straying too far from what you wanted, because then obviously that causes other, you know, issues with your business model and things like that. But I'm so glad that you were able to make it work and you're really happy with the final product. And I've seen it. It's beautiful. Um, I would love to visit at some point, but one question that kind of popped up in my head while you were talking about the layout of your space, and I know you've only been open a couple months, but have you had any issues with people trying to, you know, have their older kids use the baby area because you're not staffed all the time? Mm -hmm. Um, occasionally I've seen older kids in there, um, and then we try to like, you know, nicely remind them that that's for zero to two if someone is there. Um, I haven't really seen anything when we aren't there, just looking at the cameras. Um, we did have one comment, someone asked if we could put a baby gate up. So I think we will do that just to kind of keep the bigger kids out of there. But um, we have a really big cedar work set in the big kid room. So, and then like some rock climbing wall things. And I think the big kids really liked that big space. So I typically stay over there. Um, so no huge issues yet with that. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. And yeah, I totally relate to the baby gate thing because 
you know, one of my kids has special needs and even though he's, you know, almost seven, he's, or he is seven now, um, he can't read yet. So having those visual cues of, okay, this is a separation of space or, you know, even putting the picture of a baby or something like that on the door is so helpful to us as parents. And again, with that age group that, you know, three, four, five, they're not usually reading yet. So again, I, I love that division of space and the idea of a baby gate is so, you know, cost effective. So it's great that your community is making that constructive feedback. And it's one of those things that you can't really anticipate until people are actually using this space. So it's good to hear that people are, again, making those constructive suggestions. So when it comes to, you know, your different revenue streams, I saw on your website, you have the parties. I think you have a tab for classes. You have a lot of stuff going on. Is there one particular revenue stream that you're planning on focusing on or becoming the highlight of your business? Or do you see kind of all of those different revenue streams contributing equally to your bottom line? I would say we plan on really focusing on memberships and then birthday parties, maybe maybe equally. Um, right now, I think we have maybe 20 to 25 members, which I feel is pretty good for just being open for a short amount of time. Um, and then we're really working on the birthday party thing. I really want to get those booked up. Um, but I think those, from what I've learned from, from you and the group, it's like, that's how you're going to be successful and keep your business open and going and strong. Um, open play is great, but right. I mean, you can't guarantee someone's going to keep coming in, but once they have a membership, like no matter what, we've already had a couple renew because they signed up right away when we opened. So it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's a recurring revenue. So that right now is what we're focusing on. And then um, this week, we're actually trying to figure out summer camps because it's going to be you know, probably a lot less people coming in the summer, we need to survive the summer. So trying to um, take your advice and get the summer camp thing rolling by January, get people starting to sign up um, and just kind of get that process rolling. Yeah, that's amazing. Anytime I hear, you know, high ticket and recurring revenue, it's music to my ears. And a lot of people, you know, always assume that that high ticket revenue has to mean birthday parties, but it can also mean summer camps. It can also mean packs of classes as in, you know, a 12 week session of music or something like that. There are many different ways to do high ticket revenue and not rely on those singular play passes, as you mentioned. So it's great that you have, you know, those aspirations to focus on those different revenue streams, because as you said, that's what has always seemed to work in our group. It's, you know, kind of a process of realization that a lot of play space owners have to go through, especially the ones like us who are in, again, those climates where we do have very, you know, seasonal cycles where it's very busy with open play and then it completely falls up and, you know, there's outdoor birthday party options and things like that. So I love hearing when people are wanting to focus on those types of revenue streams. So I know you don't have a cafe as part of your business, correct? So do you allow people to bring in food for open play and things like that? They just eat it in that front space? Yes. Yep. Um, we let people know that they can bring in snacks and drinks. They can eat it. Right now we have four tables out, I think. Yep. Um, so they can bring in their own food. And we actually, um, a couple of times we've seen that like parents will bring in pizza or something in the evening. And then, you know, they'll feed the kids and then they'll go play. And then they'll just kind of have like a little date night right there <laughs> eating their dinner while they can still 
see their kids playing, which has been really fun to see. I love that. My husband and I used to do that after hours at our play cafe. We had the best Chinese food restaurant, like right next door. And so a lot of times we would do takeout and just let our kids play after hours. But it's so nice that you guys have that system where, you know, they can feel like it's, you know, their own space if they're coming at an off time. So that's really cool. Yeah. So I know you mentioned that you're, you know, wanting to improve your birthday party bookings and things like that, but do you have any other, you know, big plans or um, innovations that you're planning for or growth opportunities in the new year? Um, I think just coming up on the new year, I don't have anything specific besides birthday parties, but thinking more long-term, our, our lease is for three years and I feel like we're going to maybe grow out of our space. So it would be, you know, long-term more like, what can we do? Should we move to a bigger location? Maybe have classrooms so then you can do um, you know, parties during open play or just have different things going on at the same time, be able to offer different classes and things. So that's kind of um, my goal for long term is to see if we can move to a bigger space and offer more, more things. Yeah, awesome. I love that. And, you know, three years is going to come faster than you know it. It's, it's funny. It feels like, I don't know, this was my experience. I'm not sure if this was yours, but it felt like the launching process was so incredibly long and it felt like I was always waiting for something and it felt like the time was going by so slowly. And then as soon as we opened, it went by very quickly. And, you know, we were having our second, third anniversary before we knew it. So it's great that you're already kind of thinking about that. Yeah, thanks. So what do you enjoy most about owning your play space? I love it because everybody kind of has a different answer to that question. I think so far, I've really liked that um, the families and kids are meeting other people that they've, that they've never met, and they're forming bonds. And we've seen on our Facebook groups, um, or our Facebook pages, I should say, people are like, hey, I think I met you last week. Do you want to meet again? So it's really cool to see that people are um, meeting new families and going to play date to have a play date, basically. And even my kids sometimes will come in with me real quick if I need to go in um, and they're making new friends too. So it's just so heartwarming to see that um, like, okay, this is happening because I created this space. So it makes me feel good. Yeah, that's amazing. And something I say all the time is that, you know, yes, there are plenty of easier ways to make money than opening a brick and mortar play space, but there are a few opportunities to really make that deep positive impact on your community and on you know, the kids in your area and the families in your area and forming that sense of community. So it's definitely a trade-off. Um, but to me, that positive community impact was just so important. And again, it's why, even though it was super challenging, I never regret a single day of owning my play space. So one yeah. other question that I wanted to ask is, I know you've, again, only been open a couple months, but has anything really surprised you or gone differently than you expected about owning your space? Um, I think mainly the process of doing it was, was kind of surprising and not doing this before. I own a separate business, but I run it from my house. So having to do the space and having to rely on other people to help you get the space ready was, I think, more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, but so far, like now that we've opened, it's a little bit of a relief that we don't have to continue to like try to get it ready. Um, but now I just like, 
there's like a little bit of a fire in me. It's like, okay, I want this to succeed. So I, I just, I feel good about like, okay, every morning I'm going to work on this so we can, you know, make it better or continue to bring in money. Um, so I think that's a little bit was different than I expected getting ready. Awesome. So um, are, are there any other ways that owning the brick and mortar space has proved different from running your other business? Because something that I see a lot of people say when they come into this industry it, as previous business owners is, you know, wow, you know, and this was myself included. So I'm speaking from experiences. Wow, you know, I have all this business experience. This is going to be, you know, a piece of cake. And they don't realize how nuanced the industry is, not just in the day-to-day -day operations, but like you said, also in the startup and launching process. So were there any other big differences that you've noticed between your at-home business and this new business? Um, I, th I think the biggest thing is really just needing to rely or needed to rely on other people. I like to do things by myself. I think I work well, you know, kind of being in charge of everything, um, but needing people to help with it. And then also now that I have an employee, that's very different because I don't have one with my other business. Um, but I, you know, it's a good, I think, growth opportunity to face these other things and work through them. Awesome. And I kind of alluded to this before, but one of the mistakes that I made, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes when I opened my business. I'm never shy about that. But one of the biggest mistakes I made is, you know, choosing a location that wasn't quite right for us. It was in the wrong location. It was the wrong size. It was the wrong landlord. It was the wrong, you know, rent number. And I wish we had focused, you know, more on gross motor play. Is there anything, you know, that you kind of said, darn, I wish I would have, you know, done this a little bit differently or anything like that? Um, so far, I, I wish we would have, and we were looking for this, but finding a place that was with taller ceilings, because um, I kind of wanted to, I like the look of that, you know, with the kind of the industrial stuff that you can see. Um, but then I was, would have been able to get a taller slide. So we just have two shorter ones, which are still fun. That's something that I always think about, like, oh, shoot, you know. <laughs> um, and then also with the ceilings being... I don't know if they're like 11 feet or something. We have um, really cool like globe lighting uh, fixtures throughout the main sp spaces. But because of that also, like we can't really have balls or things because I, you know, you don't want them to throw up there if they could throw that far to break stuff. So next time around, I think I would try to find something uh, that is with taller ceilings just to offer a couple different um, things in our space. Awesome. Yeah, there's always something. So I always have to ask that question. It's never going to go perfectly, you know, as you envision. And it's great that you have a three-year lease because that gives you a lot of flexibility. A lot of times, you know, you're only seeing five or seven-year leases. So it's great that, you know, again, you're already thinking about potentially opening a different space or changing locations. And it's great that, again, you have that flexibility within the next couple of years and you're not too locked in. Um, yeah. So the question that I always like to kind of leave these interviews with is, you know, if you could either, you know, go back and give your former self right when you were getting started with the process, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice or tell yourself one thing or give someone who is just at the very beginning of their process, if you could give them one piece of advice or say something to them, what would it be? If I could go back in time and... I, I like to share my ideas with people and I think that's kind of like good and bad because a lot of people 
you know, they're, they want to be supportive, but when they, you tell them about your ideas and what you want to do, they're like, Oh, you know, are you sure you want to do that? That sounds really expensive. Where are you going to do that? So there's a lot of, I think, negative comments, even though people are trying to be supportive, they're not. So I would not tell my ideas to that many people. I don't know if that sounds weird, but you know, there's a few really supportive people, but then there's a lot of people who are like, I, I just don't know if that's a good idea. So, and I think that's why a lot of people don't open businesses in the end, because they're like, well, if these people don't think it's a good idea, then it's probably not. Um, so it's, it's hard that I, I wouldn't have told as many people, guys are just going to do it <laughs> and we'll see what happens. That is amazing advice. And I had the exact same experience. I, I did it a little bit differently. So I had told people that I was leaving my job and I got all that negative feedback and it was, you know, are you sure that sounds crazy? You know, you've worked so hard for this. You went to college, you know, you have a master's degree, like, what are you thinking leaving your job? And so I learned from that. And then when I launched my business, I only told the people who were directly affected by it. So you know, I told my parents because they helped a lot with my son when we were in the launching process. They did a lot of childcare help with us. I told, you know, my spouse, obviously, because he was very much involved. He was a co-owner. But I really didn't tell that many people outside of that because I had already encountered all of that negative feedback. And I completely agree with you that, you know, if somebody isn't on a need-to-know basis, they can absolutely wait and what I did is I just hard launched the business when we were ready to open. I hadn't made any announcements prior to that. I said, hey, you know, this is our location. This is our open date. You know, it's in a couple of weeks. Tell your friends. And it was not asking for feedback. It was not, you know, open for negotiation. It was, this is it. This is the concept. This is the name. Because again, I had, I had had to learn the hard way, but I'm sorry that you had to experience that because it is difficult. And you know, I'm not saying that anyone that you told had ill intentions or were being malicious in any way, but, you know, if if you're doing great things and if you're, you know, doing really good, people generally want to root for you. But if you're doing something that, you know, maybe they wanted to do or, you know, maybe is something that's more aspirational than whatever they're doing, that's when like that negative talk and the doubt kind of starts yeah. to creep in, even subconsciously for those people. They're like, wait a second, you know. I wasn't able to do this and, you know, I don't want to see anyone else do it either. So it's tough. That's true. I, um, and I think another like motivating factor is that I want to show my kids that just because it's hard doesn't mean that you can't do it. You just got to push through it. And I want to set a good example. So that was a good motivating factor, even though I was getting some, a little bit of negative feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, something that I mentioned before is that, yes, there are plenty of easier ways to make money. As you know, you know, as you said, you own a business from home and that's probably, you know, a lot simpler. You can probably take a break if you needed to, you know, you can pivot your online businesses or, you know, from home businesses a lot easier than you can a brick and mortar business. But again, there's very few opportunities like owning a play space where you can teach your kids those lessons where you can get them very much involved physically, you know, mentally, emotionally. So that was also something that was very important to me. And a lot of people would tell me, you know, at the beginning, like, aren't there easier things that you can do? And sure, of course there are, you know, owning a play space is one of the most difficult ways to make a living, but it's also one of the most rewarding. So yes, it's high on the difficulty scale, but it is 
way higher on the reward scale of you know, any other business concept that I've been a part of. And as you know, I own my own online business now. And, you know, my kids understand what I do a little bit, but it's definitely not the same. They're definitely not able to get involved as much. And they still talk about the indoor play space every single day. They love to look back at the pictures. So again, even though owning a lot an online business is easier, it gives you more flexibility. There's really just not, nothing like owning the play space. Yeah. Yep. I believe it. And kind of to your your previous point, that's one of the reasons why I launched my online group and Playmaker Society is because it does feel very lonely sometimes when you're getting that negative feedback from your inner circle or from local people in your area. So for me, I didn't have a group like that. And I was like, you know what, there should really be a community of owners that are you know, open and are open to collaboration and are willing to share their secrets. So for me, that was created from a need that Again, there really wasn't anything like it. There are some free groups out there, but they just don't have that same level of insight and that same level of collaboration. So has that helped you at all? Oh, I love it. I um, When I first signed up with your program, I did not do the online group. Um, and then after like a month or two, I signed up. I'm like, you know, why not? I need to get this information. And I love it. I am so thankful that you have that. Just being able to search what other people have gone through or done or summer camps, like, what have you, what have you done? What are you pricing it at? There's just so much knowledge in that group. So thank you. I use it daily. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're so happy to have you. And what's nice now is that we didn't have, you know, when we first got started is anyone that joins now has the benefit of having, you know, almost five years of posts and searches to go back through. And there's literally tens of thousands of posts and comments and things like that. And now we have amazing minds. You know, at first it was just me that was kind of running the show and answering questions. And now we have dozens and dozens of owners that have been open for three, four years that now have two, three, four locations. So the level of, you know, expertise and insight in that group is really just unmatched. And I'm just so thankful that you're inside of the group and I'm so thankful for every single person that's there and is willing to help and willing to comment and again, offer that insight that you just can't find in my experience elsewhere. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. And if we want to follow along with your business journey, where can we do that? Sure. Um, our website is playdatemn.com. And then we also have a Facebook and Instagram um, with Playdate. So you can find us there. All right. Awesome. And I will awesome. And I will link to all of that in the show notes or in the video description if you're watching on YouTube. So thank you so much, Heather. It was such a pleasure speaking with you today. Yeah, thank you. All right, that wraps up my interview with Heather from Playdate in Minnesota. I've linked Heather's website and her social media handles in the show notes of this episode, so please feel free to go check out Heather's business. And if you would like to nominate yourself or another indoor playground owner or other guest expert for this podcast, please feel free to message me on Instagram. I love hearing from you there. And as I mentioned at the top of this episode, if you ever have a topic suggestion or a question that you'd like me to answer, or again, if you'd like to interview yourself or someone else to be a guest expert interview, message me on Instagram. It's at it's Michelle Caruana, but again, it might just be easier to click the link in the show notes. Everyone tends to spell my name wrong, but it's okay. Again, I made it super easy for you. All right. Have a great rest of your week. I will see you right back here on Monday. Go Bills. Go Bills.